Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. to another episode of everyone's business but mine with me Kara Berry starting fresh on Monday with our new as seen on the internet free for all whatever the hell current events episodes I'm excited and nervous about it because I'm excited to talk about just like every weird thing that I don't typically get to talk about but the thing is like Current events. The thing about current events is that we're all beholden to whatever the hell happens. So there could be weeks where nothing I want to talk about is at all interesting and then we're all screwed. So I hope you guys bear with me. (laughs) I'm an optimist. Have you guys heard that? Have you caught that before? Um, Anyway, let's begin. I was looking for Lori Vallow updates. I did not find anything. Obviously, she has been charged with the murder of her two children. Chad has been charged with the murder of his wife. Um, Chad is going to be arraigned on June 9th. So we'll look into that. Lori is trying to plead, um, you know, unfit for trial. So we'll see. I, you guys, I watched this um, channel on YouTube that I think is so fascinating. I think I may have missed my calling in, in, having such a a interest in psychology but I also feel like 
I don't know. Maybe if I knew that I could just like talk to criminals that I would have gone down that path. But here we are. Now I'm just a lady with a podcast. So um, there's a YouTube channel called, I think it's called JCS Psychology. Um, And they will kind of unpack and give you footage from interviews and interrogations that police and detectives have with um, the guilty parties. And this I thought was so interesting. So Lori is trying to... um, you know, claim that she's psychologically unfit for trial, right? So this, uh, I started off watching this channel when I was trying to um, do some research on Christopher Watts. You guys remember that guy? The guy who um, ended up killing his two daughters and his wife and then pretending like he didn't know what happened to them? You guys remember that? So there was a great video where it does, it goes through all of his, well, a lot of his interrogation and it talks about, it breaks down um, how interrogators and detectives will ask questions to people that they're interrogating and how to dissect their answers from body language to what they say, how they say it. It is truly so fascinating. So in Hearing this headline about Lori claiming to be unfit, there's a video that kind of correlates to it about um, people, accused people who are trying to get out of the responsibilities of what they have done by claiming and attempting to come off as psychologically unfit to, you know, cause they don't want to go to jail. And so they want to get off on being like, you know, like they think that, if I just plead insanity, that I'll just go to a treatment center and then everything will be fine. But this uh, video explains that, um, y'all, um, if you ever murder anybody or do something that uh, you think you're going to go in jail for a long time for, uh, don't plead insanity because it's not going to be fun for you guys. <laughs> Apparently, um, most of those facilities are awful. They, you know, if you're not um, balanced excuse me, if you're not unbalanced when you get in there, you will be because it's just like you're surrounded by people who genuinely need help. And they, you know, it's it's a prison of its own making if you're truly of sound mind. A lot of the times those people will be in their, um, you know, like those wards for ever <laughs> or for longer that they would be than they would be if they just went along and went ahead with their prison sentence. Um, It is extremely hard once you're in there to convince the people at the facility that um, you're actually okay (laughs) and that you're not um, crazy like you claim to be. And yeah, it's just not a good idea. It's not not a pass for those. So there was a video that they did about, and this was really hard for me to watch, you guys. It was about... um the Parkland murderer and they did this whole dissection of like how he was um, behaving. So how he was behaving when nobody was in the room, when the detectives and the psychologists had left, how he would look at the cameras and how he would make these 
movements of the cameras that would suggest that he was like had suicidal ideations but then when people would come back in the room and when the detective would come back in the room he would act a completely different way and you know how people who are actually mentally unwell they would behave this way and they gave an example of how this guy this one guy behaved versus the dude from parkland who um you know, was completely putting it on for the cameras and for the detective. It is truly fascinating. If you guys are interested in true crime, I would suggest going to that YouTube channel. Um, but anyway, there is going to be a Lifetime movie already <laughs> about Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell. It is coming out at the end of the month, June 26th. It is called Doomsday Mom. Here's my question. Why? They haven't even gone to trial yet. Why? Or why? <laughs> I don't know. But I, I don't... I have a hard time with, like, these flash-in-the-pan, headline-making stories, and how people and networks try to monetize and, and ride the wave. Like, especially put this against, like, Tiger King, Right? We're done with Tiger King. You know, last year when Tiger King was the wave and everybody was talking about it, and then all of a sudden there were all these, like, big names, like Kate McKinnon, who's going to be playing Carol Baskin for the Peacock series about Tiger King, and, you know, all these big names, right? And I just feel like with Tiger King, my interest was high. I even did a special episode about it with Princess. You can listen to that if you want to scroll back. But it was also very temporary. So I feel like, obviously, due to COVID, a lot of things got pushed back. I get that. But also, does anybody, is anybody, like, waiting with bated breath to watch this Tiger King series? I don't think anybody is. I feel like they should have switched. If, like, we should have had this Tiger King docuseries or whatever um, miniseries out six months ago. And we should wait on Lori until the trial is done. Like, what are we doing here? Truly, sound off in the comments if you guys really are giving a fuck and, like, are truly excited about Tiger King series. I don't think people are. They keep announcing this Peacock series, the big names, like, it's a, like, a Marvel movie and, like, oh, here comes Chris Evans. Oh, here comes... Um, the other one, <laughs> can you guys tell that I don't watch action movies? <laughs> Mark Ruffalo. Here we go. Here's Mark Ruffalo. Here's the Hemsworth, but not the one that you're thinking of. You guys, why does everybody find Chris Hemsworth to be the most attractive Hemsworth? I'm a Liam girl. I'm a Liam. And I'll tell you what, like if we're going for, um, the Wilson brothers, Luke and Owen, I'm Luke all day long. I'm a fan of the second brother. That That's a little secret for me to you. I don't always go for, like, the obvious older ones. I like the second ones. They're a little bit scrappier. And they tend to be more attractive. I don't know. Like, Luke Wilson is so hot to me. And I don't understand why everybody thinks Owen Wilson is hot. Luke is a prize here. Anyway. <laughs> you guys, are we excited about this Hulu special, The Housewife and the Hustler, all about Erica Jane and Tom Girardi? I screamed when I saw this trailer. You can listen to it right now. Once 
was a housewife. Jean. The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Who married a hustler. Tom Girardi was LA Law. So powerful. They were just blowing money left and right. But then... The Real Housewives star accused with her husband of staging a fake divorce. Thomas Girardi accused of embezzlement. People love a good scandal. The biggest question is that she know. The housewife and the hustler. The Fergie of it all <laughs> killed me. If you go and actually watch the trailer, there's a part at the very end where there's like a picture of Tom and Erica, and then the, there's like a glass that shatters. <laughs> Y'all kill me. Whoever edited that trailer had so much fun doing so. I mean, the drama, the absolute drama. Why are they calling Tom a hustler? He's a lawyer. They're acting like. He is some sort of, like, big-time Tommy, like, a casino gambling expert or whatever the hell. Like, he's a lawyer. That is a... I I can't imagine any lawyers want to be referred to as hustlers. You know? (laughs) But also, like, Lori Vallow's uh, Lifetime movie and the Tiger King Peacock special, do we need this right now? Because there are so many things that are going to happen with this case in the future is it vital that we need this special in this moment for us those of you who are listening and myself we already know all the stories so I get that there is a certain contingency of Americans and otherwise that are going to not know the full story about them and they'll find it interesting I get that but For those who watch Beverly Hills or Bravo or, you know, like we all know, what is, what are they going to say that that hasn't been said? (laughs) Why is Christopher Darden, one of the famed lawyers from the OJ trial, why, (laughs) why is he a talking head? (laughs) Why is he a talking head? Um... Oh, and that other lady. Let me not even get into her. But I'm very excited. I'm going to be watching it. And I'm actually going to be recapping it for next week's Patreon. Patreon is something that I don't really talk about a lot on this podcast. And I don't know why. Because how would you know that I had a Patreon unless I tell you? <laughs> but it'll be on next week's. Um, Right now, I am finishing up the Ashley Simpson Show series um with season two that'll be coming out so i have patreons that come out episodes every wednesday um and you can find that at patreon.com slash ebbm podcast i have done the Lindsay and oprah docuseries that she did for own i have done all of the bethany ever after series um i have done celebrity weddings and now i'm on and finishing the ashley simpson show series um it's gonna be a bit of a mixed bag i'll be doing some um um gay pride things i'm gonna be recapping my favorite documentary one of my favorite movies of all time paris is burning if you guys have not watched that docuseries girl what are you doing it is so good and incredible and such a great insight into New York in the 80s and 90s, the ballroom scene, the gay scene, the, you know, drag scene, um, all of the things. 
it's so informative. It's so heartwarming. It is heartbreaking. It is entertaining. It's so funny. It just, all of the things, every character and person on that um, uh, documentary is so fascinating and just incredible. And I really can't wait to talk about it. I've really like, I don't know why. Um, I think the next thing moving forward will be me talking about my favorite documentaries because for many of you guys don't know after reality shows, documentaries are so there's such a passion of mine. I have seen so many of them. I watch them more than I do actual movies. So I'm really excited to get into those and talking about those. Um, is that enough plugging for me? Yes, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> Let's end this with the tweet a tweet from Leah Black, one of the former Real Housewives of Miami, in um response to this Housewife and Hustler uh documentary. So she wrote, I hope keep people keep an open mind about Erica. The law partner slash accountant didn't know. The California bar didn't know. The creditors didn't know. The city lavishing the husband with awards didn't know. So why would people assume a singer singer slash dancer with no background in law and finance should know? Be nice. (laughs) I have really avoided watching Miami um, until uh Dear Friend Princess of the Buy Pumpkin podcast was recapping season two of Miami. And at that point, I was like, okay, let me get some eyes on it. This is now DC is the only franchise of Housewives that I have never watched. So there we go there. But I, ooh, Leah Black is tough for me. I She, I knew over the years was really like, People hailed her almost as like an LVP, kind of like the matriarch of the show. But in watching the show, she's so out of, like, she's like a duck out of water. Is that the term? (laughs) I don't know. She's just so out of place, out of place on the show because she's so much older and she just seems like she films with these people, but she doesn't have any genuine relationships with any of those women. Like the other women seem to have friendships and hatreds of each other, but it seemed like Leah would just walk in a little bit confused and trying to be funny, but ultimately being mean, which I guess really explains why she and Jeff Lewis have a friendship. Um, And reading that tweet in her voice was just like, like I think you're trying to be nice but what you're ultimately saying is like if all these smart educated people who were in the inner circle didn't know why would you expect that slut singer pop star um wife of his to know anything and then and then ending it with be nice (laughs) um and that's what we call a backhanded compliment But I pose this question to you guys. Now that we're a few episodes deep into Beverly Hills, do you feel like Erica knew what was going on? Do you feel like she knew a little bit of what was going on? Do you think she was fully cognizant of the situation? I find it hard to believe that this is a Teresa and Joe situation where Teresa was just 
signing off on things and keeping the faith and trusting her husband that everything was okay. Um, I, we all know that Erica and Teresa's intelligence levels are not on the same playing field. We know that. We know that. And, you know, like, maybe that's not nice to say, but that's the truth. And let's be honest about it. So my, I think she knew. I think it's hard. It's easy for a lot of people to say, okay, I'm married to so-and-so. If my partner were to come up with some legal trouble, if they were to get arrested for something that they did in conjunction with their job, I would have no idea. I'd be none the wiser. I think that is completely fair. I think that is true of most people. But when you're funneling money into your LLC or whatever, um, you know, her company, how do you not ask questions as to where the money is coming from? How, like if somebody's trying to funnel money into my accounts, how do you justify that? You know, <laughs> like, I guess if I were married to an attorney, I would hope and pray that the things that they were trying to do to me were things that they had legally vetted and knew that these were like above board. But I think in your brain, you would, I would just ask questions. Like if somebody, if my husband my, you know, non-existent husband said, oh, I want to put flush a bunch of cash into your company. I would think mm, that doesn't sound right. That does not sound right at all. So I just find it hard to believe. And then you're spending that money, not knowing where it came from, why it's there. And I just find that very hard to believe. And I'm truly, truly living for the editors just taking stock and inventory of all these designer clothes of, you know, talking about how <laughs> Tom would go to Morton's every uh, day during the pandemic lockdown. And it's like, girl, do y'all, everybody knows that Morton's is like a high, like, like a four, um, four dollar sign restaurant. <laughs> If you will, it's expensive every day, every day. Oh no, ma'am. And we have not seen Tom at all of this season. And was that intentional? Like, yes, we know that we rarely see Tom. We'll get him maybe a couple, you know, episodes out of the season. He'll be shuffling around and, you know, made to, you know, put that pearly smile on Erica and fine. But the reason for that was that he's so busy. He's here, there, and everywhere. He's traveling. He's always in the courts. But if the courts aren't open at this point, why are we not seeing them? Why is Erica saying that she's alone? That she's walking the halls of her house alone? What? I don't know. I don't know. And do you think that they're just being intentional in having Erica talk more about Tom this season? Or... Have we, has she been talking about him this frequently and they've just been cutting out because it's boring? That's what I wonder. Anyway, let's change the subject to the headline that I laughed the most at. <laughs> and maybe this is problematic, but I was like, girl, what? <laughs> so Jojo Siwa, her pride party's scary turn. Cops called for guests possible I OD. Now, that was not the part that I laughed at. So I'm reading the article and I'm thinking, God, that seems like a dark thing. And I'm interested in it because 
one, I find Jojo Siwa to be a completely fascinating uh, public figure. I don't really know what she does. Like, I know she's a Dance Moms alum. I know that she is a YouTuber, and I know that... But, like, I don't know what she does on her YouTube. I don't... I don't know what kind of YouTuber she is. I know that she's clearly a very big hit amongst the kids. Her little Bobos, or Jojo Bows, or whatever they're called. She's about seven seven foot five, and um, 12 or 40, I'm not sure. What I do know is that she is, well, she's, she can't possibly be 12, right? I do know that she is too old, in my mind, <laughs> to be dressing up in bows. But, like, live your best life, girl, because you're clearly, like, whatever traction, you've, de- you've clearly decided <laughs> that the money that you're making is worth the traction alopecia that you're getting. <laughs> and that must be hella money. Because that traction alopecia that you're getting from these high ponytails is real, girl. <laughs> it is real. And so that money really must be worth it. Um, so I'm reading the article and I'm like, okay, overdose, that's really dark. And I, the reason why I was intrigued is because I think of her as like happy, 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 like almost a Richard Simmons of, oh my God, she is she the Richard Simmons of 2021? Of the, the Gen Z? <gasps> is she the Gen Z Richard Simmons? I think I might be onto something. <laughs> wow. Okay, I'm going to think about that. Um, so I, I, I'm having this like happy, childlike, jovial persona to JoJo. And I'm thinking the dark underbelly of having somebody OD at your party. What? Uh, this is something that I need to know more about. So... Sources connected to the party claim that the guy showed up to the party high. He showed up to her house. This was a pride party at Jojo's house. He showed up there and in pretty rough shape. And they were transported to the hospital. Police determined that there was no crime committed. So apparently what this person took was that was LSD. <laughs> and that's the point where I laugh. Because, first of all, I... <laughs> I have never heard people referred to overdosing on LSD. Like, you could certainly take too much. But to me, overdose has, like, a certain definition and a connotation. So I'm not sure if you can, like, truly overdose on LSD. I think you can take too much. But, like, you're not going to die. Right? Like, overdose to me either puts you into, like, a dangerous position with your health. Like, you could be on the brim. But to me, like, LSD is one of the more harmless drugs. Like, they use it for psychological situations, for people to, like, get over things mentally and help their mental well-being. So, like, I am pro-psychedelics. You can put that on the record. I I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) So, just so many questions. Why was a 30-year-old at JoJo Siwa's party? (laughs) Why would a 30-year-old... This is what really got me, is... Why the going to Jojo Siwa's space seems like an LSD trip on its own. Why would you add the actual LSD to that situation? No wonder they quote unquote overdosed. I would be completely overwhelmed if I dropped acid into Jojo's house too. Have you seen her car? Her car just has pictures of her face all over it. 
all over. I think I think it's a Tesla. Imagine seeing a Tesla with Jojo Siwa's face all over it, all over it. Now add that into the completely psychedelic um, colorscape that is uh, Pride. <laughs> Just imagine going to somebody's house who's got their face all over, bows everywhere, bright fucking colors, and it's a Pride party. Girl, <laughs> that's on you, bro. That's on you. And it's also on you for being a 30-year-old person going to a um, 17 or 75-year-old person's home, you know? Either way, it's inappropriate. All right, moving on, you guys. Are we watching The Hills New Beginnings? Because I am. (laughs) I am dedicated. And this is not a pressure that I'm putting on myself. It's something that I'm choosing. I am completely dedicated to The Hills universe. I am, you know, forever a... Like, if I ever were to get onto Lost Culturistas, they ask all of their guests, what was the moment where you thought that culture was for you. And I think the hills in Laguna Beach might be my answer. Yes. Did I watch Real World? Of course. Did I watch Survivor the first few uh, seasons and Big Brother and all that? But I I think the hills in Laguna Beach was the first season where, or the first show where I was like, wow, this is actually fascinating because I'm watching the real world as a child who was too young to watch the real world. So while this was like a fascinating look at like what I thought like real adults did, even though these people were like 23, (laughs) um, watching Laguna Beach, I'm like, wow, these kids are like my age. And even though our lifestyles are completely different there's still like the drama around homecoming and prom and the weird sort of love triangle that you have with your frenemy and you know the guy that's always kind of been the guy that you had your eye on and you know there were themes to that that were relatable um and they really did a brilliant job of making Elsie the protagonist and the, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like the voice for the show. Um, even though like for all intents and purposes, like Elsie is kind of annoying, but I still remain on her side. So I am loving the Hills beginnings, new beginnings. I think it's great. Here's another thing that I was asking, Twitter, you guys can follow me at Kara B Tweets, K-A-R-A-B Tweets on Twitter. But I was asking, if, like, close your eyes if you can. And imagine somebody asking you, who is Brody Jenner? How would you describe them? And I think of the several people who responded, only a few of them described him as a reality star. And don't you find that very fascinating, considering he has been basically the Forrest Gump of reality TV. He's had his own show, a couple of his own shows. He had, you know, a show that predated at Laguna Beach or the Hills. And he's been on the Hills. He ended the Hills with the series finale that, like, crazy backdrop that I'm like, uh, you know, in my fantasy, the keeping up with the Kardashians would end (laughs) with the exact same ending that the Hills got the first time with Brody Jenner 
just like um, saying goodbye to Kendall as she drives off. And then the backdrop of Calabasas fades away and we find out they're on a lot. I would love that. I would die. But listen, he's been on the Hills. He's been on um, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. He's part of a famous family, the uh, the most famous reality TV family. He's been on the show. But nobody really considers him to be a reality star. It's usually like, oh, that's Caitlyn's son. Or, oh, that hot guy, Avril Lavigne's ex-boyfriend, you know, he never really gets reality star. But I will say that in season two, I am finding these storylines to be pretty interesting, but also really annoying. I am not a Spidey fan. I find them to be, not even really because of the show, like, yeah, they're obnoxious, and I know that, like, you know, they went on to, like, Spencer went on specifically on the show because he wanted to be on the show and he, they both leaned into being the villains. And why is it that we've never got a definitive answer as to why they were suddenly off the show? Never a real answer. I know that there are rumors that they had gotten into a fight or Spencer had gotten into a fight with production, but there's never been a definitive answer. And I Googled this. Never a definitive answer as to why they left. It seems like they don't want to talk about it. Production doesn't want to talk about it either. Never mind. I just Googled it again. Apparently, um, Spencer was kicked off the show after threatening to kill a producer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Originally, he was supposed to return after anger management and a six-week hiatus from the series, but his behavior later worsened, causing him to be completely removed from the cast. So... You know, as much as they say, like, oh, we wanted to be the villains, we loved that role, we thought it was so fun, and we produced so much of the show, and so many of our storylines were all fake, 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 I am now changing my tune, and I feel like that was bullshit. I think maybe at first they leaned into it, but then their heads got really big, they thought they were the stars of the show. I think that there may have been some... uh, there's, it's possible that there have been some um, substance abuse things happening around that time. It would not surprise me. Um, with that being said, talking about current Spidey, I find them to be deeply unsettling. Y'all know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I know that there's like a contingency of people in my life that find them to be like entertaining and heartwarming and like a really cute couple. I don't feel that way. I feel like the times that I do dip into them. I feel like Heidi's always drinking. It seems like there is a projection that her life is so happy and blessed and amazing and beautiful. And yet, is it? I don't know. It just seems like they were they are they made for each other? Or did they make themselves for each other? And by that, I mean, sure, was there chemistry? And were they really in love in the beginning? Sure. But then I feel like they kind of trapped themselves with one another. You know what I mean? Like they were, there was a point where they were stuck with each other. And I wonder if they're truly in love and truly want to make this work. Or is it, they, they feel like they're kind of resigned to one another because you know, you know what I mean? So anyway, a lot of the storylines this season, are Audrina trying to find love again through Sean Stewart, Rod Stewart's son, who is like, 
Remember the bad bratty little boy from um, uh, A League of Their Own? And he grew up and then they, you know, they have that like reunion uh, baseball game where they all come back and they're old and like now that little boy is an adult and he is like all nice and whatever. That's what he looks like. (laughs) He looks like the adult version of that little boy. He is like, girl, girl, we don't think that you want to date Sean Stewart, girl. Girl, come on. Come on. Another storyline is that Spencer and Heidi are trying to have a baby or they want to have a baby or they're just talking about wanting to have a baby, but they're both partying a lot and Spidey's be- uh, Heidi's being really obnoxious and um, Brody is also on his sobriety journey. So that is really painting the way he reacts to Heidi and Spencer. And also Justin Bobby is opening up more and sharing more about his life and Frankie's there. Jason's also there. There's an interesting storyline with Jason because he does have issues with sobriety and like gambling addiction as well. And so in the beginning, he's talking about how they're um, expecting a second child and how he, um, he went to a poker night with the boys Um And that was like a whole big conversation because he's got this gambling addiction, apparently to the point where they had to sell their first house or their last house because he had gotten so into debt. Ooh, that's interesting. Also, Brandon fucking Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee's son is on the show. And I'm assuming that they (laughs) cast him on the show to be like, get the Gen Zers in, but I don't really know what kind of cachet uh, Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson, Anderson's son has in Hollywood. I don't know. He says he's an actor. And that's what he says. I don't know. But there's a whole thing with him. Um, Brody and Heidi aren't really get along, getting along. Um, it's just, it's just the whole thing. Brody's dating some like 25 year old. I mean, girl, girl, um, Caitlin, Caitlin's back. Caitlyn Jenner, not the one you're thinking of. Brody's uh, now ex-wife, but are is can you call her your ex-wife and they were never legally married? I don't know. The whole thing's very confusing to me. But I am finding season two to be pretty interesting. Is it like a appointment television? No. It's, to me, what I would call a Saturday show. A Saturday show is like, I round out all the shows that I like don't, I'm definitely not going to watch at the time and I'm probably not going to watch the next day and I just save them all for Saturdays. So that's for like Teen Mom. That's for like, you know, Floribama Shore. Those are those shows. I just stick them all on Saturday because I don't have anything else to watch. Can I just say something though? We don't need Kristen Cavallari anymore. I don't like they keep hyping her up as like, "Oh, here's a bad girl. Here's Kristen. Here she comes. Here she go girl. Give us absolutely nothing like you have been. Like who cares?" <laughs> I don't care about Kristen Cavallari anymore. Like I don't care about her coming in as like the evil one, the bad bitch, the best like reality star like oh we're bringing in the big guns have you guys ever met Kristen Cavill like I don't care if you were like 
hyping a show around the return of Kristen, like, we all know it's not good. Kristen has been on making the rounds for years saying, I only want to do this show for money. All of my storylines are fake. I just come to get a check. So she's not really going to give you anything. Like we're going to get, I can guarantee you one episode or maybe three episodes where Kristen comes back. There's a flirtation with Brody and now Audrina is going to like side eye them and not ever say anything. And then there's going to be some sort of drama. That's, that's what we're going to get. Why are we paying her the big bucks? I don't care. I don't care. So anyway, I Me Magazine did an interview with Spencer and Heidi and Frankie and a few other people. And I thought this was really interesting. Question that I always wondered is, where did Frankie come from? (laughs) How does he fit into all of this? So he says he was on a show called 24-7, which was on MTV. And I don't remember that. But he went to the VMAs with the show 24-7. The cast of Laguna Beach was there. He became friends with Talon and Talon like had aspirations of wanting to move to LA. And so Frankie kind of took him under his wing. And through that, he met Lauren, Lowe, that whole group. Um, And then he met Heidi. And so that's where Frankie comes from. Spencer says that the only reason why, like, the producers did not want to have him on the hills, and the only reason why he got to be on the hills is because he was friends with Brody, and they really wanted Brody on the show. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Spencer alleges in this article that he did not have a problem with Lauren until she did an interview with Us Weekly. Um, She allegedly said in this article that Spencer's a loser and he has no friends in LA. And that's why he had beef with her the entire time. That she called him a loser. (laughs) And his justification is, oh, I'm from LA. I lived here. Like, you just got here from Laguna Beach. Oh, it's on now. That's the beef that you decided to create with a woman because she said that you were a loser from L.A. and you didn't have friends? You were a loser and you didn't have friends. We saw that on the show, my guy. <laughs> what do you mean? Um, Heidi also says later in the article that they ask about regret- regrets that people have. And Audrina's just like, I regret that my eyebrows were too thin, which, you know, that's real. That's that's a real thing. Um, but Heidi says that she definitely would not have had her family on 
Uh, if you remember, her mom and sister were heavily uh, featured on the show. And she says, the producers told me the only reason why, the only way she could be on the show or remain on the show is if they continued the storyline with her family members. And she claims that the production wound up her mom and manipulated her and that's affected their relationship. But I feel like if you're... If all that was happening during that time was pure manipulation on the production's part, why is your relationship still messed up today? You know, <laughs> it, it it sounds like the call is coming within from inside the room. You know, the last thing I want to talk about is Chrissy Teigen. So I hadn't really talked about the whole thing between her and Courtney Sodden. Here's my opinion on Chrissy Teigen before all of this came out. I was like, I understood people didn't like her. I understood that she had said some like problematic um, things in the past on Twitter. And I thought, yeah, that's absolutely shitty. If she's trying to be a better person, we we should allow her to be a better person. Right? Um, Mostly, I did not find myself to be like super invested in Chrissy Teigen one way or the other. I found that people would go really hard on her in a weird direction and people would be really fangirly towards her in an also weird direction. And I was like firmly in the middle. Like I thought her life was nice. Her kids are so adorable. Her marriage seems happy and I'm like I'm just like I'm just like to scroll through her Instagram stories and keep it pushing and like you know little cute kids and she's cooking and I want to see what she's cooking and then move on with my day she wasn't affecting me one way or the other until this Courtney Sodden stuff came out and finding out that like it's fucked up and it's one thing to tweet somebody and say like shitty things to them. It's quite another to repeatedly DM someone and tell them that like you should die, wish you die, why don't you do the world a favor? You know, that is a bridge too far. And I can't really fuck with her because of that. She's been off the internet since then. She hasn't tweeted since she apologized. I don't know if she's been on Instagram stories. I haven't seen it. Um, from what I'm experienced, there's been no tell of her since she's made this apology. No, um, internet footprint since then. Um, so she got, um, she has decided to, she either dropped out of or was fired from this Netflix show called Never Have I Ever, um, which is like a coming of age show about an Indian American girl, um, So this begs the question of, are we done as a society with Chrissy Teigen? I think this might be it. The thing that really put it over the line for me is that when Chrissy said, I reached out to Courtney to apologize to her privately, or, you know, whatever version of that she said, and then Courtney posted a screenshot of Chrissy who had blocked her on Twitter, forcing the question of like, how could you, you know, obviously you weren't really reaching out or making much of an effort to reach out with her to her if you had her blocked. Um, so do you guys miss Chrissy? How are you feeling about that? I think 
that is very, very far. I, and I kind of feel like whatever uh, baton Chrissy Teigen was running with, I think Gabrielle Union has taken it and she has flown with flying colors. She's got Kavia, who is like truly the cutest little shady baby I've ever seen. <laughs> She's so cute. Face, just like her father. I mean, just like a little... LeBron... No, not LeBron James. <laughs> you guys know I do not watch sports. Dwayne Wade's face, right on the, a little baby girl's body. It's, she's so cute. She's so cute. Anyway, let's end this on... <laughs> What is going on with Portia? How are we, you know, another question, a conversation of like, have we, are we done with these people? What the, it's like every other day, the Portia news cycle just escalates from one weird headline to the next. And now I thought the dust had settled on this and we had all... We're just like, okay, let's see what happens on the season. If they're filming, okay, it's happy birthday to Simon. Whatever. Simon's birthday was a few days ago. And on Simon's birthday, we got a trailer for what looks like uh, it's a YouTube video, an interview that she does with a YouTuber named, I think his name is Adam Newell. Um... They're going to be doing a tell-all interview. It was like the drama, almost like Jordan Woods going up and walking up to the red table before her interview with Jada. Um, It's (laughs) Fallon in a full feel-sorry-for-me white power suit that is both sexy but... Um, evokes compassion. Um, she's got her like old Hollywood hair. She has got her Candace from Potomac um, tissue with the perfect crease to get right in that cornea in case you cry or you want to pretend like you're crying. Um, this is going to be coming out on June 10th. There were little snippets of the interview where she says, Simon doesn't get caught unless he wants to get caught. And, you know, I meant what I said when I took my vows. And so this all has been really hard. And, um, so Simon (laughs) posted a clip of that interview on his Instagram And his caption was, the face of a cheating wife. Let's start with why I filed for divorce. Let's start with who she cheated with and is currently pregnant for and living in a home I paid for post-divorce. His Instagram handle is, it's Jalen Banks, and this is how your generosity gets twisted. Let's start there. So, um, I have a lot of questions. First of all, Why are you talking about being post-divorce when we all know that you and Fallon are not legally divorced? (laughs) Let's start with that. Um, There have been rumors. I have been told privately that Fallon is pregnant and that that was the reason for filing for divorce. She got pregnant by some other dude. And that, I guess, is what um, Simon is alleging to confirm. Why are you paying for Fallon and this dude? 
to live somewhere? Is it because you're not divorced yet and you're still financially obligated towards her? I'm not sure. But at this point, when all of this came out, it felt like everybody started being mm, a little skeptical of the situation and thought, this seems really produced, really dramatic, really fake, frankly. And so I'm turning it to you guys. Do you guys think that this is fake? It's getting a little contrived for me, frankly. It's getting really contrived. I feel like if you and Portia are so happy and this is the next chapter of your life and you want to do this, that, and the third, if you want to speak up for yourself, fine. Nobody's saying there's anything wrong with that, but... There is, like, putting it on your Instagram, and he has since deleted it, but, you know, like I always said, the internet is forever. Um, Putting it on your Instagram, like, first of all, Simon, you are 56 years old, right? (laughs) Do we need to be doing these back and forth, clapping back on social media? Like, if you're that happy, just be happy. If she wants to do this interview where she's fake crying to this dude on YouTube, then let her do it. Like let her embarrass herself. If that is what is actually happening and she's lying, you know, let her do that. Let her dig her own grave, you know? So to like go back and forth about this, I don't know. It's just weird for me. I think that Simon has a clear desire for attention I think he is eating this up. I feel like if I were dating a 56-year-old man who was a grown-ass man, that he would not be wanting to... Like, I aspire to... Here's my biggest thing, is that I want a man who's not really on the internet. (laughs) That's my thing, okay? (laughs) Reality TV and pop culture and internet culture, let me handle that. And I don't want you anywhere near it. Like, I have... The amount of guys that I've dated that don't have any sort of internet footprint, God bless (laughs) most of them, the vast majority would never, like, never have signed on to Twitter, don't have an Instagram account, don't think it's a, not a word, that's what I want. That's my type, okay? That's my type. Anyway, I've been saying I think this whole relationship is shenanigans. Um, and I think it will be over by the end of the year. If if they can if they can get to the end of 2021 still together, I will not do anything because I don't really care, but I will admit that I was wrong. I'll do that. I'm willing to admit that I was wrong if if that happens. If we can make it to January 1st at 12.07 a.m. and they're still together, then I will publicly apologize. Do you guys remember when <laughs> Wendy Williams made that bet that said if uh, Kim and Kanye get married or if they stay together for a certain time that she will eat crow and then she had to eat crow on her television show? <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> I forgot to mention, last thing, the situation with Drake Bell. Drake of Drake and Josh, Nickelodeon fame, he's been doing some weird shit. He's been getting some weird headlines for the past few years, and this is the most upsetting. I feel like I once went into a blackout rant about how weird it was he decided to change his name 
<laughs> from Drake Bell to Drake Campania, um, the Spanish version of Bell, and moved to Mexico and is trying to be like a Spanish language pop star or something. And I don't know if he has any actual Latinx roots biologically, but <laughs> I don't think he does. So after this all came out, his moving to Mexico, and by the way, I I just paused to see if he actually has any Latinx roots. It appears that he does not, um, (laughs) that he just has an appreciation for the Spanish language, which is fine, but like, do we have to do all of this? I don't know. Um, So there was a girl named Jimmy Ono who was Drake's, excuse me, ex-girlfriend, She had um, claims that he had allegedly abused her. And a lot of people thought that that might have been the reason why he moved to Mexico. And she claimed that she moved in with him when he, when she was 16. um, And at that point he became verbally abusive and then physically abusive. And I won't get into too much of the details. You guys can look that up because I don't, you know, want to trigger anybody. So anyway, on June 4th, it was announced that Drake had been arrested in Ohio and was charged with attempted endangering of children. So, according to the county in Ohio's prosecutor's office, in October of 2018, a 15-year-old girl um, filed a report with her local police department in Canada about an incident that happened between she and Drake in a Cleveland nightclub in 2017. So the Canadian authorities contacted the Cleveland division of police. They conducted an investigation and they concluded that this victim and bell established a relationship prior, like several years prior to 2017. So Drake is 34. So if we're talking about she was underage, she was 15 when she filed, meaning she was 14 when this incident occurred, Drake would have been in 2017 around 30. And the girl would have been 14. So... The fact that they had maintained or developed a relationship years prior, I mean, Drake was like well in his 20s and this girl was like barely a teenager. Now, there are apparently going to be a lot of reports that the pre-trial hearing is going to be on June 23rd, and that will reveal all the information as to what exactly happened and what exactly is being alleged, but apparently... They, this girl went to his concert in December 2017. Well, at the concert, Drake allegedly, quote, violated his duty of care and in doing so created a risk of harm to the victim. And there are also allegations that he had sent um, inappropriate, like, DMs and social media messages that were bordering on the sexual. So this is now... um Allegation number two of him dealing with underage girls and him doing harmful and dangerous things to them. So we will see what happens with that. Um, I think this is all very interesting and weird and bad. 
So I will be keeping my eye on that. Um, with that, we're going to end the show with a almost the end of Keeping Up with the Kardashians recap. Only one more. That's wild to say. Okay. Um, with that, you guys, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye. I thought the secret Santa gifts should represent something that was sentimental to us about the show for the last 20 seasons. I got some diamond earrings because I lost mine in the ocean, guys. Cubic zirconia. They're cubic zirconia. So that yes. it won't matter the next time, Kim. Vandalay strikes again. Art Vandalay. Corey had me hand it over. What does it say? That's nice. Love. I imagine all the future you're going to give Scott this all right this is our what second to last our penultimate kardashian corner before the series ends Woo! i can't believe that we're at this point we're almost at the end and it feels like keeping up is going out with a pitter (laughs) a whisper it doesn't feel like anybody's talking about it except for me so let's do it For a second-to-last series finale episode, this shit was a flop. It was as though they had taken, like, all the producers were just like, let's watch the series finale of every sitcom that ended between 1987 and 1996, and we'll throw in every idea we had. Clip show. A clip package. We had... Court, uh, Chloe coming up with the idea to do a um, fucking, what do you call those things where you bury shit in the ground and you pretend like you're going to dig it back up later. A time capsule. Um, there was a point where they do a scavenger hunt for, truthfully, it felt like 15 of the 40 minutes of this show was dedicated to this dumbass scavenger hunt. Let me tell you guys one thing right now. I don't like games. Okay, and I mean that in every sense of the word. Don't play me. And I don't really like to play game games either. Like, I'm not a, a, I don't know, fucking Settlers of a Catan bitch. I'm not a taboo. I will humor you with maybe two games of Bananagrams, but after that I'm done. I don't want to guess what it is that you're trying to mime at me. I don't want to figure it out what you're scribbling on that piece of paper. I don't care. And so to have to make me dedicated and loyal fan of the show have to watch these people run around and play a scavenger hunt that they're supposed to answer questions about Things that happened to them on the show um, and then take pictures and then we had to watch them tally out how many, who got so many right and who won. Who won the game? Who gives a shit? And you know what else was embarrassing? The fact that I knew more answers to the questions of what happened in these people's lives than they did. Am I sad for me? Not as much as I should be, but I'm sad about it. Anyway, let's go back to the very first scene where, I mean, they're truly just phoning it in. 
Kim is doing a self shot, like selfie style footage of her in her house with her Skims loungewear on. And she's talking about how, you know, the last few weeks have been self care for her. Ma'am, you got COVID and all of production had to shut down. That wasn't self care. You and your whole family got sick. What are we doing here? Then they decide to take one last Kardashian, keeping up with the Kardashians trip, big family trip. Um, with Rob and Kylie not in attendance, and they decide to go to Lake Tahoe. Wouldn't you be surprised to find the same house um, conveniently named multiple times to be some Verbo house that allegedly Courtney's friend had stayed at, and um, whatever. It's the same house as they're staying at at Beverly Hills right now. Same house where you can't sleep on the first floor because the bears walk in and all of that you know walking the halls of where Sutton was casually racist towards Crystal or where the beam the beam that Sutton and Lisa Rinna looked at all all they're all there the gang's all there the beam's still there and you know probably the remnants of Sutton's problematic behavior um who cares? Where am I? Oh, here's what I want to know. Here's just, this doesn't really have much to do with the show, but here's what I don't understand. Where these like Airbnb Lux, which is what the Beverly Hills ladies said that they got their thing on, or like the Verbo, you know, top of the line. For houses like this, it doesn't, I don't understand what their strategy is because they're giving this house for free obviously as promo for their company but who that's watching these shows is going to be able to afford to stay at a 17 bedroom house in Lake Tahoe why are we giving them for what's the point what is the point of these houses like you can find some pretty baller homes on on these sites but I feel like somebody who can afford a 17 bedroom house is probably has enough connections to find a home on their own they're probably not getting onto an app to pay thousands of dollars, you know, you know what I mean? Anyway, um, let's get into the episode. Uh, Chris at one point mentions, let's do, there was another thing. Let's do a secret Santa. And Courtney is like, what's secret Santa? What? In the plane on the way to Tahoe, Chloe's telling Kendall about how the contractor for the house, this dream house that she and Chris are buying, they're right next door to each other, has scammed the fuck out of them. And this was like, okay, I, I'm interested. I hadn't heard about this, and I'm I'm listening. So, according to Chloe, what happens is that they bought these houses from a builder, and the builder had investors behind him. So they ran a background check before they really, like, moved forward. There was a 35-page long rap sheet. Chloe told tells Chris, I don't think we should do business with this guy, but Chris wants to continue. And then what happens is at some point, Chloe finds out that he's stealing money from her. So they fire him, but <clears throat> he took the deeds to both of their homes and the money that they put into it. And they're not allowed to go on the property because he has the deeds and they can't sue him because of COVID. The courts are all backed up and delayed and they're just like screwed, basically. 
they're trying to figure things out with the help of a mediator, but things just go on for long, too long. Apparently this shit has been happening for months. We see a scene of Chris on the phone with her lawyers, just like, hey, let's bring down the hammer. Let's go forward with suing him because we either need to get our money back or we need to get these houses back. Um, And on top of that, we need to put a lien against these properties so he doesn't go around screwing other people. So then they get to the house. Kim takes one look at the beautiful cookies that they have laid out, the chef prepared and had displayed before them. She flips the fuck out, has a full on tantrum and says she just wants to be in her room all day. She is taking the cookies and putting them back by the chef. You can just barely see the chef look at her like, huh? (laughs) What's happening, girl? Um, Probably that same chef that terrorized uh, Kyle and ended up burning all that salmon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So we see this very short tantrum, and this is how we find out. This is how they really lay out and explain the divorce that's happening between Kim and Kanye. Now, I feel like, what's the point of you guys getting a divorce if you're not really going to talk about it on the show? Like, (laughs) that's how twisted my mind is. And I I get it. I hear it. It doesn't sound great. But also, like, what are we, if you're going to talk about it, talk about it. You know, like the line from West Side Story stays with me all the time. When you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. If you're going to do this, Kim, mention it all. Do it all. But what we see is Chloe wrangling Kim on the couch and asking things how things were going with Kanye. And Kim says that they're not fighting right now. And she's just trying to live in the calm that's happening there. So then Chloe says it's been really tough for Kim because they had gotten into, and by they, I mean, Kim and Kanye had gotten into a fight right before they left for Tahoe. So then we see a flashback of a scene that Kim filmed with the other sisters. So Kendall, Kylie, I don't think Chloe was there, but Kendall, Kylie and Courtney for sure. And she's crying and she's talking about how she's stuck in the same place she's been in for four years with Kanye because every year he wants to go to a different state and move there. And she needs them all to be together, the whole family to be together so that they can raise the kids together. Because according to her, he's such an amazing dad. Now, Courtney says he still will be an amazing dad. 
he'll be better without you there handling things. <laughs> Imagine you crying about your impending divorce and your sister is saying, and, and, and the possibility of your family being broken up and your sister looks you dead in your eyes, says that your baby daddy, your husband now soon to be ex-husband will be a good father. He'll probably even be a better father without you there micromanaging him. Thanks you, thank you so much, Courtney. That's very helpful and soothing and kind and a very nice thing to say to your sister who is crying. Thank you. Then Kim says that Kanye deserves somebody who's going to support his every move and follow him all over the world, but she can't do that. And, you know, I'm on my third marriage and I feel like a fucking loser, but, you know, I can't really think about that because I want to be happy. And then Chloe tells uh Kim that she's there she needs to talk and Kim's like well there's really nothing to talk about it because basically I'm about to divorce this dude in about three months just give me the time um just gonna wait until we're done filming (laughs) clearly and then I'm gonna pop on down to Laura Wasser's office and have a little chit chat with her thank you don't worry about that but she says basically if we're fighting like there's nothing (laughs) There's nothing that we can do. There's nothing we can do. Here's what I am always interested in. How the women handle the breakups. How they address what's going on. How they explain the breakup. How they explain the breakup, basically. So for her to kind of put this really all on herself, when like... You should be mad that Kanye can't just sit his ass down and stay somewhere when y'all have 40,000 children. Like, it's not realistic for you to say, hey, I want to move to Chicago. Hey, now I want to move to Wyoming. Hey, now I want to move to Arizona. Hey, this year I want to move to uh, New York. This year I want to move to Dallas. Like, it's not sustainable. I mean, it could, okay, it could be sustainable. These people are rich as fuck, like, but truthfully, if you're trying to have a nuclear, like, they obviously have two different opinions of what it is to be a family. Could they make it work Kanye's way? Of course. They could have private tutors. They could have, you know, uh, true and the whole gang shipped in every weekend if they wanted to, like they could see the family. It's not like this whole big thing. Right. But Kim does have a point. Like if we're going to be a family, let's be a family. I can't have you like, you know, I I just thought that was kind of like, it, it sucks that she put that on herself. And really that's like, Kanye doesn't, you know, deserve somebody who can travel the world around him and support every whim and delusion that he's got. Like, no, where is he supporting you? Where is he supporting his kids? You know? (laughs) There's one quick scene where Kim and Chloe are sitting on the couch and Kim is trying to coach Chloe on what to say to the lawyers about uh, the homes and you know, here's what you're going to say. Like, if you've put in work on those homes, if you've made it better, then that's all the case that you need to bring it before the courts and say, you know, give me my house back, bitch, or whatever the legalese is for that. Um, 
so they're sitting on the couch, like, talking serious legal adult business. And here comes Courtney with a banana in her hand and says, do you guys know the best way to open up a banana? And they're like, girl, we don't have time for this. <laughs> Courtney's like, uh, you guys are torture. <laughs> I hate them. Um, there was another storyline that was like Tristan. It's like, Tristan is like the little kid that they bring in when the show is not working anymore and they just need a fresh new character, but like it never works and it's not working with Tristan. So there was this storyline of Tristan getting traded to the Celtics and how um, they came and Courtney are being super supportive and having these side FaceTimes with Tristan while he's in Boston about how he, you know, they really want to help him, you know, scheming sisters helping him to get Chloe out to Boston so that they can be a whole family and they're gonna have a talk with her about it and encourage her to move and okay okay another thing about well I will say that Chloe did have a good idea or a better leg to stand on with respect to True has got all her things, and yeah, we could move to a new city, and I, I'm happy to have her do the classes and all that, but with COVID shutting down, it's like she would basically just be sitting in this new city by herself without anybody. Fair. Fair. But also, I don't really give a shit about Tristan, so let's move on. So then they do the Secret Santa gift giveaway, and just very quickly, who gave what who? Chris gives Kim some cubic zirconia, <clears throat> excuse me, fake diamond earrings so that she won't lose them in the ocean next time. Um, Kim got Corey a baseball because that she signed with her own signature because one time in the show they played, they did a baseball game. <laughs> and I, apparently this was like something that connected Kim and Corey th- through their love of baseball. Okay. Um, I would love to see Corey in a Rockford Peaches uniform because, listen, <laughs> there's levels to why I just said that. And I'm not going to tell you why. Just just peel back the layers of that yourself. Courtney got Chloe an inflatable Minnie Mouse pool because one time in season seven, they watched a stranger give birth in a birthing pool. Really phoning it home here. Scott gets Chris a picture of... Do you guys remember, like, two seasons ago where uh, Chloe and Scott decide to prank Chris because they don't like that she says how knowledgeable she is in the art world. So they did all these paintings and acted like they were from this guy named Art Vandalay. One of the most obvious references from Seinfeld. But okay. I Okay. <laughs> Um, and so they give her that painting and then Corey gives Courtney a necklace that says love on it. And he says, this is for your future with Scott. And Kendall got nothing because Kylie was the one who's supposed to give her a gift and Kylie didn't show up. So I laughed at that part. I did. I have to admit. Um, so this begins, this love necklace begins yet, you know, storyline number 25,672 of Scott and Courtney. Will they, won't they, what's happening with them? So I did a little Googling because I know in my pop culture adult brain, that the timelines aren't adding up for me. 
So they're on the plane and they were talking about how Tristan had just gotten signed to the Celtics, right? So I looked when that was, this was late November, right before Thanksgiving. So this is them on the plane to Tahoe. So, um, November 23rd, this is what happened. Um, Courtney and Travis went public with their relationship in February, which is not to say that's when they started dating. Presumably they had been dating for quite some time and decided to go public then. Whatever the timeline is, doesn't matter because Scott went public with Amelia in December. (laughs) So if we're having this whole, what are they going to do when Scott fully has a girlfriend at this point and probably Courtney is dating Travis at this point too. What are we doing? We all have Google. Every one of us could have looked this up. So the episode ends with Courtney in a confessional saying what she's been saying all season, which is that the family are really supportive and encouraging of she and Scott getting back together. However, She and Scott have had multiple conversations in private about the things that he needed to do and the steps that he needed to take in order for her to consider that. It seems like the way she words it, that like, if he did those things, it would have been a definite yes from her. But he, there were certain things that he is not doing and that he is fully aware of that. So the episode, like I said, the episode ends with Courtney on the bed with Kim and Chloe. And she is bringing up a fair point, which is that she feels like Scott has got people on his side and is even manipulating them into thinking one thing when it's quite the other. So she says, we've had these conversations. He is completely aware of everything he needs to do. But when he talks to you guys, he paints it as though he has already done all of those things and he's just waiting on me. So then everybody looks to me, Courtney, as the person who was holding them back from getting together when I'm not the one, basically. You know, we all know that Courtney's not that articulate. I'm translating for you. Um, And I'm probably not even doing that great of a job. But I I know I'm doing better than Courtney. And that's all that matters. Um, So Kim and Chloe are like, no, that's not how we feel. Like, you know, but we do support you, blah, blah, blah. And so Courtney starts off again. And, you know, she just feels like everything's being put on her. And then Kim cuts her off and says, okay, but are you okay living like this? Seriously, like, I need an answer. How long is this going to be? What is going to happen? What is going to happen between you guys? And then the screen pops up and says, to be continued. I guess next episode. (laughs) Wow, what a surprise we're all going to find out these two people who are fully in serious relationships right now (laughs) are not going to get together in retrospect. Wow, wow, What what a moment. I did want to talk about a article an article that I read that had to do with Travis being a little bit shady. So y'all know that I had been talking about the drama happening between Travis and Shanna, their kids, Courtney, Kim, what have you, right? So after all of this happened, Courtney did a um I don't even know what you would call this, like a sub post a sub poosh if you will she put 
something, an article on her lifestyle blog push about how to, quote, stop social media stalking your ex, which is something that everybody thought was a, a, a clapback, if you will, um, towards Shanna. So then on the Dumois Instagram account, there was a, a blind item where somebody who said that they had seen Scat, Travis, Courtney, and Amelia at Nobu. No pictures, shaky verification. However, <clears throat> on the Instagram page, Kardashian video, somebody posted a comment that said, under that blind item, uh, you know, the dinner must have been awkward as hell considering the fact that Amelia is so much younger. So here's the comment. It says, it's so odd to me, like, what does a 2001 baby have to do with these grown-ass people? I know that dinner was awkward as hell. And so somebody, obviously, you know, the internet is never ceasing in its research. Somebody found out that the one of the people who liked that comment was Travis. So it seems to confirm that not only did that dinner happen, but also that he felt like it was weird. <laughs> this relationship, like, I think I'm done. I think I'm done. I'm definitely done. I, I never even started with Scott and Amelia. This is... Ew. It's ew. But with... I'm done with Travis and Courtney. Like, if, if you guys aren't married or if she's not pregnant by, like, August, what are we doing? You know? What are, what are we even doing here? Like, if I don't get... Like, I've got a little bit more patience for Benefer 2.0, but, again, if we're not getting an engagement by... I'm going to say... I'm going to give them till December. Like, what are we doing here? You know? If we're going to get into the chaos then, like, let's really do it. Let's really do it. Okay, that's the end of the Kardashian Corner. <laughs> I'll be back next week with a series finale special and a special guest. <laughs>